Hi, I'm Andy Reid. Welcome to Honestly from HVCS, a podcast that brings you real honest talk about health-related issues that most people find difficult to talk about. We're here to encourage you to, to advocate for your own health and be your own champion. You know your, your body best and what your best life looks like. We give you the information you need to make informed choices. HVCS is a division of Cornerstone Family Healthcare. Coming up on this podcast. So they're building a life and they're here. So some guys come here who have had a traumatic background. They might have been through rehab. You know, they're not working. You know, they, they turn up here with bags, if they've got bags, and they're building a life. So we help them and we support them in all aspects of, of their life, you know, in terms of, you know, cooking, budgeting, uh, social skills, hygiene, personal, genetic hygiene. And as that develops, we then look at time management and we look at education and we look at whatever it is a person would like to do. Today on the show, I have Brian Reed, and yes, he is my brother. Welcome, Brian. Great to see you, obviously, although I see you often. How are you doing? Uh, yeah, thanks for inviting me on, Andrew. Good to speak to you. Good to see you from a damp, grey, miserable Glasgow afternoon. Typical weather for this time of year. I don't want him to be here why? because it's, it's sunny here. <laughs> yeah, even though sunny comes with a, a side offering of ice. <laughs> yeah, us too. Us too. <laughs> <laughs> so, Brian, you are the manager of the Arch which is a program, now correct me if I'm wrong, it's a program that helps men specifically to resettle, move forward, and to deal with their isolation, their, their, their problems, etc. Can you maybe fully explain what you do? I am the manager of the Arch Resettlement Centre, which is a service as part of a charity, Scottish Christian Alliance. We work with men, primarily from 21 years and over, who are maybe possibly suffering from homelessness, mostly from homelessness, obviously, in a sense, because if, if they were not homeless, then they wouldn't be with us. But um, the issues that guys deal with can not only just are related to homelessness, it can be related to, uh, you know, addiction issues or, you know, alcoholism or, you know, mental health issues. So it's a wide range. The, the, the tendency of people here uh, and i guess in most places is that uh homelessness is seen as a you know there's a homeless guy whereas homelessness is is something that happens to someone someone at a certain period of time so that person is homeless is different from saying no there's a homeless man you know it's um so so that's the kind of the first thing so we see the person We've had professional people who, through no fault of their own, find themselves not living anywhere. It's just a, a, a situation in time for them. So we have a wide range of people who have lived with us over the years. Now, you, you could say that in this world that we live in, this capitalist society, that it's structured in such a way that the average person is one or two missed salaries away from being in poverty, which can include homelessness. Yes, absolutely. It's, uh, you know, many times, uh, but for the grace of God, go I. I, I you know, I've sat here, I've been sitting, I'm the manager here, so, you know, I've got a professional qualification 
but I've sat, I've sat here with many people who are far more educated and qualified than I, and I'm there to help them and support them, along with my, my team. Currently, we've got 22 flats, uh, flats or apartments, I guess, for, for your listeners. Yeah, yeah. condos uh, one, are the One bedroom apartments, 12 one bedroom apartments, with uh, mm. cooking facilities, sleeping, you know, shower room, etc. Uh, they're very nice flats, and our culture here is to provide excellence. It's it's not to provide, you know, run of the mill. It's to provide, and excellent people will value what they have. Now, Brian, you mentioned there your culture. Now you're, you're talking obviously the British culture. Yes. Um, and I'm coming from obviously a Scottish culture myself, uh, but living in New York now. You mentioned also, you know, this standard that you meet. Could you talk to talk to me about what you mean by the culture and the standards that you set yourselves and that you aim to provide for each of your residents? Sure. Our culture here is, it, I would say it, it differs from the standard run-of-the-mill local authority provision in that, obviously, with services that are funded by the government, the local government, they'll have set targets they need to meet. They have standards that they must meet. Now, the standards are not that high, so therefore you'll find a lot of people, it's a job for them. Now, not everyone, there are genuine people out there working across the sector who, they do it because they care. But here, we, since my time here, and I've been here 12 years, we're a very small team, uh, I've got three support workers, myself, a deputy, and the finance department, which is one person. We need to work closely together. We need to be, we need to have trust in one another. And we need to really support each other. So that needs to then transfer to, to the people that we work for and work with. And we ensure that what we do is of high quality so that they receive a high quality. Obviously, that, that's reflected because we are a Christian organisation. Uh, not all staff members are Christians, but um, those of us who are, then we believe that we need to set a good standard. It's not just a job for some of us. It's, you know, it's, you can use the word calling or a, a vocation. We're here because we want to be here. Kind of brings up a question for me yeah. uh, I'd like to ask you. Is that a choice then for your organisation to remain small? and be personable with your clients or I know do you refer to them as clients yeah sometimes clients sometimes service users we tend to use the phrase tenants because they have you know they have a tenancy or an occupancy as as I was saying that the the main building hosts 12 one, one bedroom apartments and then externally we have 10 what we call scatter flats and these are flats no, 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 they're actually not too far from where, we, where our main base is, uh, and that's kind of deliberate. There's only one that's a few miles away, the rest are very, very close, and you spoke about community, and I think one of our successes is, I, I, I can't, well, we, yeah, I suppose we did. We, when we decided to get the scatter flats, they were to ensure that people moving on from our initial service weren't becoming self-isolated in the city. Because the city, although not as big as, as New York, it's it's still a, a big city. 
you know, one of the biggest in the UK. And it can be, you know, a, a, a dangerous place if you're in the wrong part of the city. It can be an isolating city if you're in a certain place and you don't know anyone. So we decided to have flats close by so that anyone moving on into them, and these are people who have, have been relatively successful in what we provide initially, and they're ready to move on and live their own life themselves, but they may have some issues that, that mean that they need some low-level supports. Maybe it could be mental health, could be physical health, and we are there close by to support them if and when they need that. Now, for some, that's that might equate to one week every six weeks, or you know, one day every month, every three months. It's um, or, or for some, it's it's more intense than that. You know, it could be twice a week. So it just it just depends on the clientele. Well, I've got two things I want to to mention, Brian. Uh, uh, the first one is going back to that question I was I was asking: Are the arch making a choice to to stay small? so that they can provide a quality that a bigger organisation might not be able to, to provide? And is there a danger that when an organisation gets too big, that it then becomes about money and meeting grant targets, etc.? The answer to your question is yes and no. The charity that I work for, the, the people who are, are involved are all people who care deeply about what, you know, what we do. Yes, we'd like to grow. Uh, but it's about how we grow. We've recently had what we called an away day, where all, all, everyone associated with the charity got together to discuss how we go forward, because we actually kind of need to grow in terms of staff numbers at the moment, but you know, we feel that we're probably one shot. So, so yeah, I suppose to answer your question, we'd, if we were to grow, we'd probably replicate what we've got elsewhere. So it wouldn't be a case of, okay, we have 12 people in this building, right, we'll, we'll add another floor and get another six or another 12 or anything like that. We would probably replicate what we have elsewhere in another part of the city. Because it works. We know it works. It's, it's, we have been successful, or we are successful, and we do help people move on successfully. So it's quality, not quantity? Yeah, absolutely. Right. Now, what's the criteria for somebody being in a position where they're ready to move on? The criteria for people uh, moving in initially is that they're homeless and that they are ready to engage with staff and engage in the programme to then move on to their own tenancy, which hopefully will be a secure tenancy. But we have a phrase, it's to be tenancy secure. I have a, my own wee saying, which I made up, many years ago, when I'm chatting to tenants who move in, the only thing it should change when they move on from here is their postcode. A zip code. Zip code, yeah, in the US, yeah. So the only thing it should change is their zip code. So they're building a life and they're here. So some guys come here who have had a traumatic background. They might have been through rehab. You know, they're not working. You know, they, they turn up here with bags, if they've got bags and they're building a life. So we help them, we support them in all aspects of, of their life, you know, in terms of, you know, cooking, budgeting, uh, social skills, hygiene, personal, genetic hygiene. And as that develops, we then look at time management and we look at education and we look at whatever it is a person would like to do. 
once we get to a point, and that could be six months, it could be 12 months, they're ready to move on and we'll look at areas in the city that they would like to move to, contact the relevant organisations and, you know, I think in the last two months we've successfully had three guys move on, two of them with a job, you know, employment. So, so it's been fantastic. And the criteria really is, is that they believe that they're ready and, and that they can no longer fall in, back into old habits and move on, they're connected into the community. You know, they've got a job, they're paying their way, they're paying their tax, they've got a routine in their life. And, and that's, that's really all the, uh, the criteria there, there is. If, if some people need two years, then, you know, if that's what it takes, then we'll be here for them. That's remarkable, isn't it? I mean, because many places, certainly in America, certainly in New York, a lot of programs are grant-driven in respect that, you know, you have criteria for coming in and criteria for leaving. And in order for numbers to be met, you need to have that continuum and the person needs to come and go at a specific time. That doesn't mean that we're heartless and we don't want to help people. You know, my experience in living in Scotland and living in America is a person wants to help somebody, they'll go to that length that they'll try and help somebody. It doesn't matter what that is or where they are. But I think that's remarkable that there isn't a set time, which is fantastic, because I think people need, you know, yeah. everybody's story is different, everybody's needs are different, and everybody's and is, 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 is at their own pace, isn't it? Yeah, it's, it's a, a holistic experience. You know, one person's support plan is different to their next door neighbour, and it's it's their journey, it's their life, it's it's what works for them. And yeah, and and I can understand organisations where the you know they're maybe grant driven. People want to see results. You know, why are we spending this amount of money on your service when it, nothing seems to be working? But sometimes the very fact that Joe blogs or Jane Doe, John Doe. <laughs> you can maybe explain that one later. Joe Bloggs. John Doe has been here for 48 months. That seems very, you know, a very, very long time. But then equally, the person's still alive. They might be drug-free for that time. And if someone's been on the streets, then, you know, you can't just flick a switch and expect them to be domesticated in a short period of time. Uh, and you know, I use that word a wee bit flippantly, I guess, but sometimes some people need to know how to live. They need to know how to live, one with themselves in their own flat, but within a flat. And you and I were fortunate. We were showing how to make a bed when we were young. We knew how to cook. We knew how to, to clean. We know how to pay bills. Some people don't. And, and some sections of society in, in this day and age People don't have that. They don't have those role models to teach them and show them. Sometimes I talk to our mother, Amelia, mother, <laughs> ma, and she'll sometimes say, you know, we didn't have a lot, but we did our best by you. And, you know, and I always tell her, you know, that we, we were very rich growing up. And what I mean by that is we were very fortunate in that we grew up with a realisation that we absolutely were loved by two parents. And that is priceless. And a lot of people cannot or don't know what that means or 
have never experienced that and therefore they don't have an ability to understand what I just said. And that needs to be something that everybody in the world needs to realize. That it's yeah. not just about financial, it's not just material, it's about being loved, being secure within yourself, being secure within your family setting. And that priceless, isn't it? Absolutely. I remember maybe about two or three years ago, certainly before the pandemic, I, I was at a conference run by the local authority here. And for the first time in all my days doing this, I actually heard the word love being spoken out loud in a, in a conference that we have to love these people. And it's like, it was a bit of a sea change. And it was like, wow, it, it, some, someone has actually said the L word. And that's what it is. It's about, we can't fix people. We can't, we, we don't sit here and try to fix people. We, we, we actually, and this might sound a bit daft, but we don't really do much. Our job is to get people to do things for themselves. You know, if, if for example, someone has to phone the benefits agency, we don't phone for them. We get them to phone. You know, actually to get the phone, press the buttons and speak. We're there to support. Like one of my colleagues has just arrived back from a flat viewing with one of the tenants that we have. Now he's only going to cast his eye over it to offer an opinion once they're back. He's not there to make decisions for him. It's up to that lad to make his own decisions, but we're there to support, and that's, and that's what it is. And it's, you give guidance. Yeah, and it's, it's about support, guidance, to sit here and say, we understand, you can talk to us, you know, for, for the Christians that are amongst us here, I don't know how that works in America, but you know we you know we'll pray for people if if that's that's part of the service. We couldn't normally do that, or a lot of services can't do that. People who have a faith can't really do that in some services because it's frowned upon, which is pretty sad because some people come here for that purpose because that's what they need because that's what love is. So it's it's um. Yeah, I forgot what you were talking about. <laughs> I think um, one of the things I would like to say is, you know, I, feel, I could consider myself very fortunate in that I genuinely love my job. Uh, yes, like everything else, there's days I can't be bothered or I feel lazy or I'm tired and I don't want to be doing this, that or the other, but I, I genuinely love my job. So I feel very fortunate. And one of the reasons I can say that is because I love helping people. You know, I would rather help five people than get a bonus. I mean, I'd love a bonus, but, you know, that's not my motivating factor, getting up in the morning. It's helping people. Yeah. I think if you can find a job where you're actually doing something you love, there's that word love again, and helping people because you absolutely want to, then is it really work? Yeah, I remember coming into this line of work, which was as far from what I was doing before, you know, you know my background, I was a carpet fitter, then worked for a national flooring organization around the UK. So I was earning some decent money and that's that's what I was doing. But I was getting bored. So I went to college, went to university. I thought my, my career path was one way, but I ended up coming here. And my first initial thought was, I, I can't do this. I can't deal with guys coming out of prison and everything that entails. I don't know what to say to these guys. I don't enjoy confrontation. 
quite a placid person, easygoing person. So the thought of coming to work here wasn't that appealing. But once I'd got here and, you know, got right in about, about it, um, I thought, this is, you know, really good. Really a lot of interesting people. And then I realised people are people. doesn't matter. Just because someone's come out of prison, they were just possibly unlucky to get caught. Um, I've known plenty of people who should have been in prison but never get caught. <laughs> so, and, and then you realise the life that you've led growing up has given you some skills which allows you to deal with some people. So you realise actually you have got things to say or advice to pass on or support to give. And, you know, and it's a sad thing when you see people hurting for whatever reason and it, and it, and it helps build up your empathy and and an understanding of you know what it means to be human it's easy to live in your own wee bubble and be comfortable and and happy and hopefully happy and and safe and secure and all that kind of thing but when you actually put yourself out there and see another side yeah it challenges you and um you know hopefully for the better and you can maybe pr- uh, provide some solutions and what you're saying there brian is got nothing to do with countries is it it's got nothing to do with new york or america or scotland or united kingdom or europe north america it's to do with humanity isn't it well i'll I'll give you a a wee story we had a young chap moving in here i say young chap he he looked very young he was actually 10 years younger than me but looked 20 years younger than me handsome young guy young guy this isn't a story about me is it Afraid not, no, no. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and uh, he, was, he was having some trouble. And without going into too much detail, after about a year, it was discovered that he was on some medication from the doctor and he'd been, he'd been wrongly prescribed. And because of that, he was suffering some mental health issues, which was leading him to believe some mistruths about his early past. He'd been on the street for about 20-odd years. And he got this medication changed and almost overnight his life turned around. The issues he was dealing with were dealt with. He re-engaged with his family. It then came to light that he was a bit of a genius at various things. He could play the guitar excellently. He could you know, play most musical instruments he put in front of him. He would go in the evening for a run. And I'd see him in the morning, I'd come in and I was, oh, how's things? And he'd say, oh, yeah, yeah, I went for a run down to Erskine Bridge from where we are just now, which you'll know, Andrew, is quite a distance. And he'd run there, it's about 12 miles or so. And then, it's about 10 to 12 miles, and he'd then run back again. Pretty, you know, intense workout, fit as a fiddle. He then on, saved up his benefits, went to the Alps. He He... Climbed some mountains <laughs> uh, in the spring, came back, and his life just turned around. Outstanding. And he then had numerous tests because, he, because he'd been on the street for so long. Now, by this time, he was about mid-30, 35, nearly 40. He looked 10 years younger, and he went through all these tests, and he came back, and he was told he had the body of an 18-year-old. This is after living in the streets for many years, abusing his body in many ways. I remember the day very clearly when he, he, he came back and he told us that, that he, was, he was in tears. He was like, I can't believe how well I am considering what I've done to myself. 
and he felt a bit, not ashamed, um, stunned, just very stunned. That's how he was. Anyway, to cut a long story short, he moved to New York where he became a dog runner. And the last uh, chatting with him, which was about six months ago, he lives upstate New York and he lives in a, a cabin with a bit of land and he's, he's got loads of animals and he just loves it. Absolutely loving life. But uh, yeah, so, you know, I, I think it kind of answers your question. It's not just a, a UK thing or a Glasgow thing or a Scotland thing. Not done anything myself for the last while, but I, I started a podcast a couple, about 18 months ago and um, interviewed a number of tenants, mostly tenants, some external services in relation to their story in terms of what homelessness and their addiction, etc. Could you tell us the name of that podcast, Brian, so that the listeners can access sure. it? The Trials of a Sofa Surfer. The Trials of a Sofa Surfer. And yeah. what platform would they be able to hear that? It's actually, it comes out of Podbean, but you can access it on all the uh, platforms. And the reason I mention it, the downloads are actually across the planet. So there's some downloads from Canada, US, across to Australia, Spain, Italy, you know, across the UK, obviously, other parts of Europe. I think it would be a few in Africa and South America. You know, just people apparently, which amazed me. It just shows you how widespread... The interest for this yeah. type of information and that people can relate to it all over the world, which is fantastic. Now, unfortunately, because of time, we're going to have to wrap this up, Brian. Before I go, I would like to say a few things. Thank you to, to Stephen, who was going to come on the show. And, I, and I'm sorry he isn't on because I understand he's under the weather at the moment. And maybe we can have Stephen on at a later date when he feels better. Yeah, he was, he was very keen to come on. We, we were kind of in the, in the midst of a, not a lockdown, but there's a bit of concern about this Omicron variant of uh, coronavirus. So taking things very uh, seriously here in terms of just being careful. And, and he himself decided that he, he, he was going to just to make sure that he was okay. So um, we kind of thought we'd, we'd leave it today. But yeah, he's looking forward to getting involved. Well, everybody at Hudson Valley Community Services wishes him speedy recovery and hope he gets better. I'd also like to thank you and your team for all of the fantastic work that you do. Uh, and if there's anything at Hudson Valley Community Services we can do to help you guys in terms of training, insight, anything at all, we would be only happy to do that. That leads me to ask you one question. That is, is there anything that I didn't ask you, Brian, that you would have liked me to ask? And if so, now is your platform. To well, I thought you were going to ask me what I wanted for Christmas. Sorry, you're breaking up. Uh <laughs> <laughs> no, I just want to, thanks for having me on. It's been pleasure, real pleasure. And obviously it's good to see you. And good to chat with you. I hope what I've said has made some sense and excuse me, people get entertained or, or get some information out of it. Uh, I just want to thank the people of New York and the United States for looking after you and putting up with you. And, uh, <laughs> yeah, stay safe. Thank you. That's all we have time for in this episode of Honestly from HVCS. Before we go, I would like to thank Brian Reed from The Arch for taking the time to come on the show. Thank you, Brian. 
Tune in next time to Honestly from HBCS in order to meet more people doing what they can to improve your quality of life and encourage a healthy Hudson Valley. If you like this show, please leave a five-star review wherever you get your favourite podcasts. Learn more about our free services at www.hudsonvalleycs.org or find us on social media. HVCS is a division of Cornerstone Family Healthcare. Bye for now.